Welcome to another episode of Search News You Can Use with me, Dr. Marie Haynes. This is episode number 138 of Search News You Can Use, which you can find the newsletter version of this, the print version. It's not going to be exactly the same as what I say in podcast, but a lot of the stuff that I mention here is covered in probably better detail in print at mariehaines.com slash newsletter. And again, this is episode number 138, recorded on Wednesday, June 24th. There has been a lot going on this week in search. Um, There's some rumblings of a potential algorithm update, although I'm not completely convinced that that's what's happening. Uh, There's a glitch with Google indexing discus comments, which is now fixed. And we're going to talk about maybe that's why we're seeing some strange things happen uh, in terms of algorithm turbulence. Uh, I'll give you my thoughts on that. Um, I'm going to talk about why a particular site did not see any uplift after building links through Harrow. Uh, That's going to be an interesting talk. And uh, some interesting stuff that I found recently that might give some credence to the fact that Google may be paying less attention to links these days. Uh, A bit of theory there, so stay tuned and uh, we'll talk about that. Um, Let's start right now, as we always do, with whether or not there was a Google update this week. We know that Google's always changing things, and what we're trying to take note of is whether there was something significant that changed. Because if we can find the patterns, if we can say, oh, look, the sites that did this seemed to do well, or the sites that are doing this are not doing as well, then it helps us figure out how to help our clients, um, where we can advise. It looks like Google is rewarding this now. Um, And so we always pay close attention when Barry Schwartz says, look, Barry's paying attention to the chatter in um, both basically forums and SEO, you know, Black Hat World, Webmaster World, places like that. And so when Barry says, look, there's an update happening, we pay attention. Uh, I spent several hours yesterday looking at data for what's happening because uh, Barry was saying there's a lot of chatter about a potential update uh, that seemed to start around June 23rd. So that was Tuesday of this week. Now, when I did this uh, this review, uh, which was yesterday, Tuesday of this week, it's very hard to look at whether there's an algo update uh, when it's currently happening. Uh, what we do is we look at um, hourly traffic for a number of websites to see if we can see that uh, some of them are suddenly seeing much more traffic or much less than we would expect for the day. Uh, And, you know, we had a couple of clients that were seeing changes, but most of those we could explain for other reasons. So uh, one of these clients uh, saw, they were a client that saw a really nice uplift with the May 4th update and uh, like really big, I want to say like a hundred percent increase. And they're a local business in Florida, uh, they saw a big drop in traffic uh, that happened yesterday. However, locally, there were some things that happened uh, that would stop people from coming to their business because of coronavirus. Uh, and so, you know, it was it didn't look like an algorithm update hit to me. And actually, when I looked at their traffic today, they're, they're bounding back up again. Um, we had a couple of clients that were seeing some increase as of yesterday, but one of those clients, the increase seems to be related to one piece of content uh, that's going viral. The other client does have a typical pattern that looks like something we'd see when Google uh, does an algorithm update, uh, and they're seeing, uh, I want to say, about a 40% increase across all of their pages that we can't really attribute to, uh, you know, one particular piece of content or something happening locally uh, to affect the number of clients that would be coming to this business. So what does that mean? Usually when there's a a significant update that we need to pay attention to, we notice that a much larger percentage of the clients that we monitor have changes that we should be investigating. So, you know, it's possible. uh, The reason why I'm talking about this, because, I mean, pretty much every week we have something where, uh, you know, Barry says, oh, maybe there's an update happening. And then, you know, we look into it and we agree or we disagree. So why am I talking about it today? Uh, It's just because the algo tools, so the weather tools like Mozcast and SEMrush Sensor and and all of those, uh, many of them are showing massive spikes that uh, really would correspond to an update. So something's not lining up here. I do have a bit of a theory, though. Now, first of all, 
it's possible that there is an update and we're just not seeing the effects yet. Uh, sometimes when Google does something significant, it can take three or four days before every site uh, gets affected or, you know, feels the effects of that, uh, that update. Uh, and that's certainly possible. So next week, I might be telling you a completely different story and we might be talking about what we think Google changed uh, at this time. Um, it's also possible, though, that this is connected to the glitch that Google was having with Discus comments. Now, Discus, uh, most of you, I think, probably know what Discus is. Uh, it's a comment system that uh, several years ago became very, very popular, and uh, most people, a lot of websites use it uh, in terms of uh, allowing comments. Now, apparently, there was a glitch at some point, and I don't know the exact date when this started, but I believe it was like last week or so, uh, that people started noticing that their comments in Discus were not being indexed by Google. Now, sometimes that's normal. It depends on how you have things set up. But in some cases, if your comments were getting indexed, and now they're not getting indexed, that can change the quality and the relevance of your page. And I actually think that this might be what's happening. I, I feel like we need to do a little bit more investigation. Once we have more sites in our profile that see increases or decreases that we think are connected to an algo update, uh, we're going to start looking at whether they have discus comments, whether um, they're starting to appear in the search results now. We'll probably look at some cached information to see you know, whether they were being indexed in the past. Um, um, but here's what I think could be going on. Uh, let's say, let's take, for example, Search Engine Roundtable. I know I've talked about Barry's comments before, and uh, Barry's got thick skin. He can handle this. Um, that sometimes the comments on posts on Search Engine Roundtable are not super helpful. Now, that's not Barry's fault. That's just, he's got a very large audience, and a lot of that audience is very vocal. Um, and so let's say Barry wrote uh, a post that was like 500 words long, and he was talking about a particular update that was happening, or that he thought was happening. And let's say that the comments section was 1,000 words long, or even 10,000 words long. Like, sometimes these comment sections uh, get really, really long. And let's say that 90% of those comments were people saying, you're a doofus, Barry, you don't know what you're talking about. You know, just dumb comments like that. Well, that's going to make the whole page look like the majority of the content on that page is just people saying negative stuff. And for me as a searcher that wants information on whether there was an update that day, it doesn't really make sense for Google to show me this page where 90% of it is just people making dumb comments, right? But let's say on that article, now I think Barry's been doing uh, a lot more comment moderation recently, and I'm actually finding it very helpful to go through the comments on his posts. Uh, so for example, with this core update, or not core update, this possible update that has happened this week, I'm looking through the comments on his uh, site, and some people are saying, yes, my site seems to have been affected, or somebody else is saying, no, our traffic hasn't changed. Uh, and, and there's all these comments that are super helpful. Well, Google looks at your comments, assuming Google can see your comments, which was the issue, that apparently Google couldn't see that uh, a week ago for many sites. Um, if Google can see your comments, then they can count that as keywords for your page. And it also can count towards the overall quality on your page. So imagine, um, you know, let's say Barry wrote a post on a particular Google update. Um, and then in the comments section, this is going to sound kind of meta, but in the comments section, people started saying, well, maybe this is connected to the discus glitch. Uh, and maybe that wasn't mentioned in his article initially. Barry's really good at going back and saying, hey, the comments are uh, suggesting that maybe this is the issue. But let's say it wasn't in his actual text. If it's not in his actual text and Google's not indexing the comments, then how does Google know that, hey, there's actually a really good discussion here on whether this update is connected to this specific problem? And so, you know, Barry's post would not rank for uh, things like Google update connected to discuss comments. Um, and then when Google did start to index the comments, uh, then you can see that he would start to rank for more keywords, and that would mean that that particular post should get more traffic. So I think the two may be connected. Um, you know, I, and I think it's also possible anytime when we see that the algo weather tools are seeing massive changes in, uh, in rankings, but that's not completely reflected in what we're seeing in real life, um, that can sometimes mean that Google's changed something 
something in the code of their pages because these tools basically look at uh, you know they they scrape the pages of Google rankings they they look at many different keywords um, and if Google has changed something in their layout uh, things like that that can affect the tools um, which is really just a reporting error as opposed to something's actually happening with the algorithm. So we're going to keep an eye on this for you. And uh, as, as we said uh, many times, uh, if something has changed significantly, I'll report back on that next week for you. Speaking of next week, our newsletter, which usually comes out on Wednesdays, is going to come out Tuesday next week. Uh, I know a lot of you who are listening to this are in the United States, um, where July 4th is a big holiday for you, and July 1st is Canada's holiday. So Canada Day is July 1st, and we're all at home uh, not working on that day. Um, so just be aware of that. We'll have newsletter and podcast out on Tuesday next week. I'm not sure if I'm going to do a shortened version of podcast or not, but we'll uh, we'll have something out for you next week. Um, we talked last week about how-to schema. So if you have been applying how-to schema to your pages, for a while Google was displaying those as rich results uh, in the search results, and then they went away, and now several people are reporting that they're back again. Uh, so it looks like Google's really experimenting here. Um, Brody Clark tweeted that Google was originally testing... Um, using how-to schema and displaying it in the SERPs for about 16 days. And now a little bit of time has passed and we're seeing them again. So if you're playing around with using how-to schema, then uh, it might be worthwhile to do it. We, we don't know. Maybe this test will last another day. <laughs> Maybe it'll be a permanent thing. So uh, it's, it's a good way to make your site stand out. If you have pages that have steps on how to complete something, it makes sense to me to add how-to schema wherever you can. Um, Let's talk about this situation that it came up with a Reddit thread. A particular website uh, was building links through Harrow and other sources, but then saw no uplift in traffic. And um, the question is, why? why? Why did that happen? So I tweeted about this. And now, to be fair, we don't have all the details. I don't know what the site is. Uh, somebody in the original Reddit thread sort of sussed out that uh, this site was a financial site. And so that, that can have an impact because it's a YMYL site. But if you built 109 links through Harrow, and it looks like they used other sources, you'd kind of expect to see some type of improvement, right? Um, so let's talk first about Harrow. I think most of you probably know what I'm talking about when I mention Harrow, help a reporter out. It's a service that we do recommend. And what you do is you sign up uh, for free emails and you get three emails a day. And the emails are essentially lists of journalists who need sources. So, you know, there'll be something, let's say you're doing SEO and one of your clients is a dentist and uh, a Harrow request comes across as a journalist needs uh, to interview somebody for a story on teeth whitening. Well, then you can connect your dentist with this journalist, and if the journalist mentions the dentist, then that usually results in a link. And if not, it's still something that potentially could speak to their EAT, uh, as Google recognizes, like, oh, you know, there's a lot of authoritative places that have mentioned teeth whitening and also quote to this dentist, uh, then that could possibly uh, make you be seen as more of an authority in terms of teeth whitening, make your, your client seen as that. Uh, so Harrow can be good. The thing is, though, that Harrow can also be bad. Uh, I, I do think that they, you know, they try to get legitimate journalists um, and legitimate sources, but it must be very challenging to, you know, I don't think they vet out every single source uh, and every single journalist who's trying to use the platform. And so if you're finding a way to get links on Harrow that is really, really easy, then there's a good possibility that uh, it's not something that Google wants to reward. Um, and so we don't know what these links are like, uh, and I, didn't, I wasn't able to analyze the quality of them. But here's what I thought was interesting. Um, so I tweeted about this, and the majority of the responses in this tweet thread, and if you want to find the, the thread, because I tweet a lot, so it's going to be hard to, to scroll through all my tweets, uh, you can go to newsletter episode 138, and uh, there's a discussion there um, and uh, a link to both the Reddit thread and my uh, tweet. But the vast majority of the responses in this tweet were people saying that it probably was because Google picked up link velocity 
being too fast. Uh, and so the idea, there's a theory that if you get too many links too quickly, that it could sort of look to Google like a spam signal and that maybe they wouldn't want to count these links. Now, this is a possibility. There is a Google patent that Bill Swalsky wrote about um, a couple years ago, I'd say. Uh, if you want to find it, he the post is called, Did the Ground Groundhog Update Just Happen at Google? So if you Google uh, Bill Swalsky, Google patent, Groundhog Update, you'll find it. And there's a really interesting uh, part in there that says, yeah, Google does have a patent that says um, if there's a whole bunch of links pointing to a particular piece of content and uh, very little traffic is flowing through those links, uh, especially if it's an area where the... Um, the the query is very highly spammed. Uh, there's a lot of competition for it. Then Google might decide not to count those links. I think it's possible that that's what happened there, but I don't. I honestly don't think that that's uh, truly what happened. I mean, 109 links. Link velocity happens. Getting links at a fast speed happens all the time on the web. Like if, if my business did something that was truly newsworthy and we had journalists reaching out to us and writing stories about us, that's going to cause a sudden spike in links. And that's a good thing. That's not me trying to manipulate Google, trying to, to build links, right? It's a, it's a good thing. So what I think is possibly happening here is I think this is more evidence for uh, supporting the idea that Google can understand whether a link is actually a recommendation for your content. Now, I need to say that this is theory. Um, I really try to emphasize when I'm when it's theory versus something that we've put together, you know, uh, based on things that Google has actually told us. Um, this is a theory that I have. I really do think that with BERT, uh, Google's better able to understand whether when somebody links to a website, whether they're saying, look, you guys should pay attention to this. This is really good content or this business is awesome. Um, and so, or as opposed to like, oh, here's a piece of content that, oh yeah, we threw in this link and, um, you know, Google, you should count, you should rank this website higher. Like that's not how it should work, but it's how it has worked in the past. Um, so here's a good example, a little bit exaggerated, but uh, let's say we were doing a link audit for a client of ours who sells shoes and, or maybe has a clothing store. And let's say there was an article in some authoritative website about like the top trends in clothing this year. And uh, <laughs> I chose a really bad topic because I, I don't know what the top trends in clothing are, but let's say they had um, a link to, uh, look, Nike shoes are really popular. That shows how dated I am, right? I don't think that's really a trend right now, but let's say it was. Um, and Nike shoes, and they linked Nike shoes to our random clothing website. Like, that doesn't happen, right? If you were writing an article about uh, clothing trends and you wanted to link to Nike shoes, you would link to Nike, you wouldn't link to, you know, this random website that nobody's ever heard of. And I think that uh, Google can, you know, programmatically figure that out these days. Uh, and I, I, mean, I have many theories on how they could do it, uh, but I do think that it's happening. So I think it's possible that this website that got 109 links from Harrow, that Google could figure out, uh, you know, these links really aren't recommendations. So why would we want to boost their page rank uh, because they've been just building links through SEO? Now, another possibility as well, because we haven't seen the website, is that the website is just junk. <laughs> you, in the past, you could build links to a website that really wasn't that great. And if you got enough links in the right places, that website could rank really well. Uh, and now with all these different factors that Google can look at for EAT, especially if this is a financial website, this is a YMYL topic, right? Um, and so if, um, if Google wants to show websites for financial topics and this website hasn't established any element of oh yeah we've got expertise in this area and we're seen as an authority by so many people um and uh, you know and and maybe they haven't built up signs of trust maybe they're lacking any references on their articles maybe their articles are false maybe their articles are uh just really low quality content or just saying the same thing that everybody else says i, I actually think that no amount of links 
links are going to help that type of content. So, you know, I don't have an exact answer for you here, but it's something to pay attention to. And it actually leads me to the next item on my list, uh, something that I discovered, uh, and I, I've seen this before, but it was an old Matt Cutts video that I was watching. Uh, and, and I just picked out a little thing that sort of supports this idea that, uh, that I've got. Um, so... We're actually going to be uh, launching in very soon a book on removing manual actions. I've had a book out for quite some time and it's needed updating. And so my team and I have been working on updating it and it's coming out soon. And then after that, we're going to have a book coming out most likely on auditing links, not just manual actions, but what you need to know about doing link audits. And so I was doing a little bit of research here and uh, in the, into the history of why Google values links. And Matt Cuts in 2014 mentioned that uh, Google actually tested an algorithm uh, that doesn't have uh, links, that didn't rely on links. Uh, and that was that was really, really interesting, right? I remember reading this before. I remember uh, somebody saying that Yandex, the Russian search engine, uh, they went without links for a while because there was so much link spam and it just wasn't very good. Uh, but here's the quote that um, Matt said. So keep in mind, this is 2014, so six years ago. And he's asking, somebody had asked him whether Google would ever have an algorithm that did not rely on links for ranking. He said, we've run experiments like that internally and the quality looks much worse. It turns out that backlinks, even though there is some noise and certainly a lot of spam, for the most part, links are still a really, really big win in terms of quality for search results. We've played around with the idea of turning off backlink relevance. And at least for now, backlink relevance still really helps in terms of making sure we return the best, most relevant, most topical set of search results. The part that struck me was the at least for now. So six years ago, Google was saying that they really wanted to run an algorithm that didn't rely on links because spam is an issue. And they were saying, well, you know, we tried to do it and it didn't work. So fast forward six years from then, and now Google's got BERT and they're much better able to understand content. It makes sense to me that yes, Google wants to use links because again, if I, if the New York Times wrote an article about EAT and they linked to my article on EAT, that speaks to me being an expert on the subject or, you know, at least knowing some knowledge on the subject. Um, and so I do think that Google wants to count some of those links. And if we want to get even more complicated, if that link was no followed, I think the changes that Google made in terms of uh, possibly being able to use no followed links, they would be able to say, you know what, the New York Times just referenced Marie Haynes when they're talking about EAT, and we trust the New York Times, and so maybe we should pay attention to what she says on EAT. And then, you know, but many of the links on the web, you know, if, if, if you... Uh, where, you know, you had a little blog that very few people read and, you know, you weren't known in the industry and you linked to me saying, here's a great post on EAT, Google's less likely to want to count that link. And uh, that makes sense to me. So, um, so you know, what does all this all mean? <laughs> it sort of comes back to the advice that Matt Cutts would give many years ago is create great content. And I feel like more and more Google is just getting better at figuring out not necessarily what's the best content, but what's the content that would most answer the user's query. So that's something we should be keeping in mind. We talked in last week's episode about... Um, uh, or did we? Maybe not. I think this might be coming up in this episode about um, the length of content and how that's not always a ranking factor. Uh, we'll get to that in just a minute. Um, how to verify if your site has been moved to mobile first indexing. We saw this question come up on Twitter and it's one that a lot of people want to know. If you go into Google search console, and let's say you're working on a client's site, you'll see this little pop-up in the bottom right corner often that says your site's been switched to mobile first indexing. The thing is you can turn that pop-up pop up off um, by clicking got it. And, uh, and then you won't see it again. So what if you, you know, we're all so used to just 
seeing pop-ups and dismissing them. What if you dismissed it and you're like, ah, oh, I can't remember if this site has been moved to mobile first indexing or not. Um, you can actually just go into the settings section of Google Search Console. And in the left-hand column, it'll say your, what your prim primary crawling agent is. And, uh, and that'll tell you whether you're being crawled by Google for desktop or Google for, um, for smartphone. I, I think it's Google Mobile. Um, and so if, now, if you are moved to mobile-first indexing, still parts of your site may be crawled via desktop, uh, but the vast majority, last I heard Google was saying about 80% of the crawling should be uh, done on the mobile version of your site. Hopefully for most of you, the mobile version is exactly the same as your desktop version uh, in terms of content, so that's uh, something very, very important to know. Um, and John Mueller also tweeted just saying, uh, by the way, if you did get uh, an email, because that's one way you can know too. Google will send you an email saying, hey, we've moved you to mobile first indexing. Um, just know that the email doesn't happen on the same day as the switch happened. Uh, so it can be weeks afterwards. Uh, so John suggests that you check your log files. I've written stuff about that in newsletter uh, in years past. I think when we first, and we have a really good article on mobile first indexing. Uh, one of my coworkers, Matt, wrote this article uh, last year and we've been keeping it updated. Uh, so there's more information um, there on that, uh, that topic as well. Um, this was an interesting question. What happens if your site becomes unverified for a long time in Search Console? So um, you know, if it, you know how in Search Console you have to be verified as an owner for the site, uh, and if if there is no verified owner, then what can happen is Google may just stop collecting data for you, and you won't see it. Um, and so uh, John calls that a data hole. Uh, so you really do want to stay verified now. It's not common in my experience that this happens. Uh, I have seen people become unverified if the way that you verified your search console was by putting a code snippet um, on your root directory. And then uh, if somebody, you know, is, is cleaning up your files and goes, well, what's this weird thing here and takes it out and you can become unverified. But it's probably not a big issue for most of you. Uh, does the order of URLs in your sitemap matter for crawling or prioritizing? And John said, no, the order in a sitemap file doesn't matter at all. We read the files to get the sitemap URLs, and then we process the collection of URLs independently. The order or the choice of sitemap file doesn't play a role at all. That's something that I didn't know. Um, this was a great post by Aleda Solis. Um, we mentioned in our podcast a few weeks ago, I had the pleasure of interviewing John Mueller, and we asked him a number of questions on uh, category pages for e-commerce sites. Uh, I think the same could probably apply to a lot of product pages as well. And um, John explained that it's helpful to have some content on category pages, but it needs to be focused on what's going to help the user. Because often what we're finding is that people are writing this SEO content that no human being is ever going to read. Uh, and so, and it's often keyword stuffed, which can cause the page to not rank well. Um, and, and it really isn't that helpful. Um, Aleda has a fantastic article that we've linked to from newsletter. And, uh, one of the things that she recommends is because people have been asking me this since the interview with John, they've been saying, well, what content do I put on these pages? Should I have text, uh, that describes, you know, everything you need to know about this particular product or, or subject. And what Aleda recommends is that you put text both below and above the product listings. So above the listings, you want to explain what the user is seeing on the page and below some type of a guide to help people make their purchase decisions. Now that's going to look completely different depending on the type of website that you're looking at. Um, but you, you don't need to rewrite the whole history of how this product got developed uh, if people are not interested in reading that. Um, and I'm, I'm going to talk about that a little bit more uh, shortly in this podcast as well. We've got some stuff in newsletter about uh, tracking core web vitals using Google Tag Manager. Uh, it's debatable whether that's the right thing to do because it can 
uh, create some volatility in your data. But if you're interested in that, I mean, the new core web vitals, Google's told us they're going to be a ranking factor. It's going to take a while, uh, but it is a ranking factor. Um, and so in newsletter, we have some stuff talking about how you can use Tag Manager uh, to push your core web vitals data right into Google Analytics. So I think that's something that would be fun to play around with. We've also got information on how to diagnose some of the largest contentful paint problems that your website might be having. Uh, and I don't want to get into too many detail. We often struggle with our newsletter and with podcast in trying to determine how technical to get on things. Um, and, and so this is something that I'll just briefly mention that if you're seeing, uh, very large values for largest contentful paint. Uh, contentful paint means the time it takes for the content that the user wants to read to actually appear on the, uh, on the page. Um, what you can do is use the website webpagetest.org and it gives you a bunch of speed information, but what it'll do is it'll create this waterfall, which is essentially saying, look, uh, now this is loading on the page and then this is loading. And then this took like this long time to load and you get this visualization of how long it took. And often you can find that, uh, oh, you know what? There's this massive image or there's like, you know, this video is greatly slowing down the page, something like that. So if you do have a page that your web core, core web vitals in search console are telling you that there's issues, then plug it into webpagetest.org and, uh, and see, you might find that it's very obvious what's slowing the page down. Um, we had some information on, uh, search console discovered currently not indexed. And, uh, this was something that Glenn Gabe pulled out of a recent help hangout that John Mueller said for many pages that fall into discovered, not indexed or crawled, not indexed. The site overall is in a murky area where Google's algos think some parts are okay and others not so much. Google will wait to see more signals before indexing. Um, we pay, and I'm not going to go into great detail on this because I've talked about it lots in the past. Um, when we look at thin content for our clients, uh, that's one of the first things we do is we look at Search Console and we see the parts that Google's saying, yeah, we discovered this, but we didn't put it in the index. And sometimes it's, uh, it makes sense, like it's feed pages that I, don't, I wouldn't really worry too much about cleaning up. Uh, and But if there's stuff that's in that list that you're like, oh, I really wanted that to be indexed, then this can be a sign, in our opinion, that Google's treating this content as uh, not the highest quality. And often what will happen is you'll have multiple pages of the same type that are appearing in that list. So let's say that like every page in the list of discovered not indexed is a page from your news blog or is an image page or is a page that, uh, this is a common one that we see, is uh, a page that returns a 200. So it's like, this should be a good page, but then the wording on the page says this product is out of stock. Um, so things like that, it can point out like, oh, you know what? We've got thousands of pages in the index that Google would not want to index. And dealing with those sometimes can make a big difference uh, in terms of Google's assessment of quality for your website. This was something I pulled out of a, a recent help hangout again with John Mueller. Um, uh, somebody was asking, they had, uh, they were looking in search console and they said impressions for their site increased from 200,000 to 300,000 in one day, but there was no change in clicks. So all of a sudden they had a hundred thousand new impressions, but Google was not reporting any clicks, uh, to that website. There's a few possible reasons for that. And John explained them. Uh, probably the most common is that suddenly you started ranking for an image and often what will happen. And we see this all the time. We had a client just this week that, uh, we were looking at their data and we were saying, oh, they rank number three for like this very popular query and, uh, they rarely ever got a click on it. And so we just went to the Google results, typed in the query, and you can see that our client is listed as one of the images. Uh, but this is a query that uh, not a lot of people would want to click on that image. Um, and so that would make sense. 
uh, that this could cause an increase in impressions because if you're on the first page and you're being seen as an image, because sometimes Google will display a few images, sometimes you've got to click on the image tab, uh, and nobody's clicking on that, then that could explain why this is happening. Um, there are other possible reasons. I mean, it's possible that you moved from page two to the bottom of page one, and it might be a query where very few people would scroll down to the bottom of page one to click. That's a possible reason as well. We talked a little bit about mobile first indexing and somebody asked John uh, in a help hangout about um, why they haven't yet been moved to mobile first indexing. And at this point, Google's saying there are two main reasons why they have not moved a site to mobile first indexing. One is if it's an old neglected site. Now I run some old neglected sites and uh, all of them have been moved to mobile first indexing. But it might be something where, uh, you know, maybe Google rarely, this is my thought, if Google rarely shows this site in search, what's the point in moving it to mobile first indexing? I don't know. Uh, but the other possible reason is if you have a very complicated site. Um, and so, yeah, he said the other bucket is really large websites that have complicated setups. Um, and so if you haven't been moved to mobile first indexing, you really want to investigate why that has happened because eventually Google wants to move every site to mobile first indexing. And if you're not ready to be moved and then Google eventually says, all right, fine, we're going to move you over. Then uh, it means that there's probably a large portion of your content. Google's not going to be able to discover if it's only available for them to crawl on desktop. So uh, again, we have a really good article on mobile first indexing that uh, you, you can find it. Uh, I think it, ranks fairly well for mobile first indexing, but if you add Marie Haynes to it, uh, you'll find that article very quickly. Uh, is word count a ranking factor? So this question keeps coming up over and over again. I remember in PubCon uh, Vegas last year when Jennifer Slegg interviewed Gary Ish, uh, he was saying that if I Google how to boil an egg, I don't want an article on the entire history of eggs in the world. I just want to get to the point and know how long do I boil this for? You know, how much water do I put in the pot? Uh, stuff like that. Um, and so I don't necessarily need a long post to get my answer. Um, so somebody asked uh, John Mueller about word count of articles and whether Google valued that. And he came straight out and said, quote, we don't use word count as a ranking factor. So I think most of you knew that, but that's something that uh, I think is a little bit of a myth in SEO. Uh, and he said, sometimes really short pages are really good for users. Now, I think this is important because uh, we're still analyzing the May core update, by the way. Uh, we've actually put together uh, a more specific team just to look specifically at that because a lot of things change that are, are not typical um, in my experience for, for Google updates. But one of the things that we're noticing is that for some of our clients, uh, content that is not doing well. So we had some clients that dropped with the May core update. And when we look at uh, the content that's not performing well, for some of these clients, it's really, really long content. Uh, one example is um, a particular area. If you were, let's say you had a lump uh, near your ear. I know that's a very vague, very random thing to, to jump to. Um, and and you were Googling, you were like, oh no, this could be cancer. It could be something really serious. And you were, and you, after some Googling, you discovered, okay, I think this is a lymph node. So you Google lymph nodes near the ear. Well, we have a client that was ranking for this uh, phrase and then they just plummeted in ranking. And when we look at their article, they've got like, it's really good if you wanted to sit down and read an essay. Um, but for the person who wants to figure out, is this lump cancer? Like, do I need to go to the doctor? Uh, and maybe you shouldn't be relying on Google for this, but we all do it, right? I've apparently, uh, gosh, I had something going on the other day and apparently it's leprosy. So it's been good knowing you, but uh, I think things are going to get challenging from here on. Or maybe we should just not uh, make Google our doctor. Um, but <laughs> back to the point here. Um, 
this article started off with, you know, here's how you, the lymphatic system works, and here's, uh, you know, how lymph, uh, lymph stuff can turn into cancer, and here's, like, there were probably 2,000 words on the lymphatic system, and then a tiny paragraph at the end that talked about the particular type of lymph node that lives behind the ear, uh, and there really wasn't that much information on, uh, you know, what else it could be and, and whether you should be concerned. The pages that were ranking really well for this uh, got right to the point. They were like, look, this is what this lymph node's called. These are the symptoms. Uh, if you have enlarged, it means this, this, and this. Um, and so, uh, you know, I'm not saying everybody needs to go shorten your posts, but if you find that some of your content has declined, in, especially since the May core update, then you might want to do a search for that keyword and look at what patterns you can see and what's currently ranking. So if you're like, no, 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 my content's the best because I've covered everything on the topic, which, you know what, I've been guilty of recommending that in the past. I'm like, look, if you want to give as much information to Google to show that you understand the subject, and I think in the past it was true. So I think that our client that had this massively long post on this particular type of lymph node and everything you need to know about the lymphatic system, they probably did well because Google could say like, oh, there's tons of information here. Uh, but Google's told us that core updates usually have to do with them getting better at returning the most relevant results not the longest results. So look at that. If you've seen a drop with the May core update, you may find that you have to get more to the point in your articles and make sure that you're covering. And a great way to do this is to look at search console, look at the keywords that are bringing people to your page and then say, like, put yourself in the shoes of that searcher and say, okay, if I landed on my page with this particular query, would it be easy for me to find the answer that I'm looking for? And if the answer to that is no, then you probably need to make changes across a lot of your website. Uh, so I think that's very, very important. Um, another little tip here that uh, came from Twitter, uh, Christopher Hoffman uh, tweeted this. Uh, he tweeted a situation about images. Uh, from what I understand, he was trying to rank for a particular query, but rank it in image search. It's something that, uh, I think it was a clothing, it's in another language, so I, I think it was like a type of jeans or something like that. Um, and, uh, and he couldn't get it to rank in image search. Uh, this one particular page, and, and so what he did was he, and initially he added the query to the alt attribute of, uh, of that image, and uh, that didn't work. And then he added the query or the keyword to the title tag for that page, and uh, instantly, uh, I think it was instantly, but he was able to rank uh, in images for that issue. So if you're trying to rank in image search, uh, I mean, you have to do it in a way that's not spammy. You don't want to be adding every single keyword that you want your page to rank for in your title tag, uh, but it's a little trick that you could use that might potentially help. Um, I'm not sure if this is interesting or not, but Google apparently is creating a, a platform to compete against Pinterest. It's called Keen, K-E-E-N, and it's powered by AI, and uh, it's supposed to um, do the same thing as Pinterest, but be better. <laughs> and, and Pinterest, I think is really good for a lot of things, but it frustrates me how often I can't find the content that I'm looking for. And Google seems to like it. It's like Google is recognizing, you know, people like content that is a collection of user-generated content. Uh, but Pinterest, I feel like they, they don't do it in the most optimal way. And so this keen thing might be important. Uh, at this point, it's just sort of an interesting thing. Uh, and if it becomes more evident that uh, this is something we should pay attention for, to for SEO, then we'll get back to you on that. Um, not too much to talk about in terms of local news this week. There doesn't seem to be a local algo update. Um, some Google My Business uh, businesses have new attributes that you can use for online appointments, care, classes, and estimates. Uh, if those are things that your business offers, apparently you can add that to your Google My Business profile now. So that's good to know. Another thing we wrote about in newsletter was... Uh, Colin, Colin Nielsen talked about uh, 
there's new pins appearing in the map for some businesses. And instead of the pins being the normal balloon shape, they're a square and nobody really knows what the difference is. So I don't know how to report on that. If you're seeing uh, square pins instead of uh, balloons, then Google's doing something. I don't know. If you have an idea, you can tweet at me what you think that is. Uh, it doesn't seem normal to me. Uh, it feels like Google's you know, making this stand out for some reason or making it not stand. I don't know. Anyway, something to pay attention to maybe. Um, I don't usually go through the recommended reading section of newsletter, but I did want to give a shout out to Moz this week and especially Cyrus Shepard. Cyrus had a fantastic whiteboard Friday on EAT. I'm not saying fantastic just because he mentioned me. Uh, I mean, thank you, Cyrus, for doing that. Um, but uh, this was really good. He was talking about whether EAT is a ranking factor. And really, uh, I, you're going to need to see the video for him to break it down. I don't think I can do it um, in, in as good a way as he did. But he was talking about how there's different ways you could look at ranking factors. Is it something that's on or off, like a score or, you know, like it's, it's a black and white thing? No. Um, is it something, you know, and, and I like the, what he was saying is a lot of people say a ranking factor is something we can directly measure. And then other people say, well, a ranking factor, if we look at which websites did well with an update and we can say, you know, it looks like Google's rewarding this, even though Google may not be actively, uh, it might not be in their code. It's what seems to be working. I, it's very hard to explain that. And again, Cyrus did a great job of explaining it. Um, a good example of this could be something that we were talking about with the Maycore update. It seems to me that a lot of websites that were writing on firsthand expertise saw improvements. We talked about uh, a surgeon client of ours who all of their posts talking about side effects are based on what they've seen in real life. And they saw big spikes up with the core update. Similarly, uh, we had a client that talks, it's an affiliate website, but they actually use all of the products that they're reviewing. They don't just cultivate reviews from across the web. And that website seemed to do well. Now, it's possible that Google wrote something into their algorithms that says, oh, if Bert can determine that somebody is talking about firsthand expertise, then let's make that a ranking factor combined with all the other things we assess for that website. Certainly possible. But it's also possible that that's just what happened. That maybe Google, um, you know, for whatever reason, figured out that people seem to like this content and it just happens that, oh yeah, now they're surfacing sites that have firsthand expertise uh, for certain queries. What I'm trying to say here, and I feel like I'm sort of fumbling a little bit, is um, what we're looking at is not what did Google code into their algorithms, but what seems to be rewarded now. And if, if many of the websites that are improving with an update have that aspect, I would call that a ranking factor, even though it's not directly written into the code. I feel like talks like this are sort of semantics and we could probably argue for hours about what is and isn't a ranking factor. Uh, and I don't really care. I, our goal really is to figure out what it is that Google likes <laughs> and then, uh, and then advise more of that for our clients. Um, I'm going to end this podcast with uh, a question. And this question came from uh, Trixie. And uh, if you want to ask a question, we do have a form in every newsletter episode where you can ask it. Uh, another way that you can ask a question is just to tweet. Don't, don't tweet at me, uh, although you're welcome to, but it probably won't get added as a question. But tweet at the MHC underscore Inc account. And our social media manager, Summer, runs this. Uh, and she'll um, give me the questions that seem like they're good for podcast. Uh, so Trixie was asking, um, let's see here. I wonder if dates in URLs are an issue for SEO. I was originally on Blogger and dates were always in the URL. I then moved to WordPress and was told dates had to stay in the URL. I can understand I understand they can be removed, but I'm wondering if there's a significant difference for SEO to make taking out the dates worthwhile. So uh, again, like to summarize, so if you have dates in your URL, and WordPress uh, does this a lot depending on how you have it uh, configured, um, but it's not uncommon to see, you know, post dash, uh, January 12th dash, blah, blah, blah. Like it, the date will be in the URL. Now, 
John Mueller has told us that keywords in the URL are a tiny, tiny, tiny ranking factor. And I feel like recently he said that it may not even be a ranking factor. So, um, you know, Google does look at, I think it's just one of the things they look at on the page to say, all right, maybe this page is on this topic. Uh, I don't think it's a huge ranking factor. And I actually don't think you should be doing too much uh, to change what your URLs are. Um, it's still important to have dates though. And I, I would want to make sure not necessarily in the URL, but on your content, the quality raters guidelines, they instruct the quality raters to determine whether content has been kept up to date. Um, and they're, they even tell them like, be aware that some websites will just make it look like it's up to date. You know, they'll just run a little script to say, oh yeah, we updated this two days ago and it's always two days ago and it hasn't actually been updated. Um, so Google can tell whether you're actually updating your content and they want to see a date on that content, in my opinion. Now, maybe not for all types of content, but for most things, people want to know, am I reading an article that's relevant in this year uh, or was this something that was written like eight years ago? Um, the most important thing I can say though in answering this question is you really need to be careful when you're changing your URLs. So let's say you wanted prettier URLs and instead of having this big long date in the URL, you'd rather have just a keyword rich uh, URL. The problem is that when you create a new URL, you're actually creating a brand new page. And of course you would redirect the old URL to the new one, but we don't know if Google passes all of the signals. Uh, Google's told us now that 301 redirects should pass all of the same signals. Years ago, we used to estimate that maybe 95% of the page rank went through a redirect and nobody knows. There's been tests that kind of show both sides. Um, but the reality is that there are issues that can happen if you change URLs. So changing all of your URLs that have dates in them to something else essentially means you're creating brand new pages uh, that Google needs to rank. So I, I would be careful because um, while it's possible that Google will pass all the signals through your redirects, you're relying on a lot here. So, I mean, one thing you could do is just test this. You could try changing a couple of the URLs uh, to, um, you know, something that doesn't have the date and has keywords in it instead, uh, and then wait and see what happens. Um, my guess is that the page will initially do worse, and then Google, uh, uh, you know, provided that you redirect things properly, uh, Google will catch on to it, and probably things will be exactly the way that they were, uh, but it may take a few weeks for them to catch up. Personally, I don't really see any reason to um, to be doing this. So, I mean, I haven't looked at your site and maybe there's more details I need to know, uh, but probably it doesn't make sense to change the URLs. So I think we're going to end it there. Um, this has been a, a bizarre week for me. We had a plumbing catastrophe where every toilet and drain in our house started spewing essentially diarrhea. Um, and so I have been cleaning <laughs> all week and playing a little bit of Fortnite, but that's, that's about it. Um, so, uh, so yeah, I'm going to take it easy, I think, for the rest of the week and stay on top of what Google's doing and not do anything too crazy in terms of work. Uh, I really hope things are okay in your part of the world. I know it's, uh, it's up and down. Some parts of the world are starting to do really well and other parts of the world are, are really struggling. And so if you're in that struggling camp, um, my heart goes out to you. This is a, a very strange time in history. Hopefully uh, this news has been able to help you somewhat. If you enjoyed the podcast, I'd love for you to tweet at me and just uh, uh, tell me what you like about it. Tell me what you'd like to see different or more of in the podcast. Uh, we're going to keep doing this and it, it helps me to stay up to date with what's happening. So thank you for listening because you help me to stay up to date. And with all of that, I'm going to end it and wish you the best of luck with your rankings. Mm -hmm.